Welcome to the Grow the Game podcast, hosted by your own Corbin King and Peyton Mattingly. Today we are joined by the head coach at Davidson, Matt McKillop, who is entering his first year as the head coach at Davidson after serving as an assistant for the past 14 years under his father, Bob McKillop. Coach, we are really excited to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing great. We uh, today's the day that all freshmen move into campus. Um, our freshmen have, have been here for a little bit, but there's a ton of activity. The school year's off to, to a start as of today, so a lot of lot of action and uh, excited for the new year. Oh yeah, we're we're in the same boat. We got we got everyone yeah. on campus today. It's it's pretty crowded. Yeah. yeah. So kind of talk about your coaching career, um, how you got started, your early days, even your playing career a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, this could be a very long story. I'll do my best. To- <laughs> to uh i'll do my best to you know not not waste time on on silly context but um i I grew up in davidson north carolina um i moved here from new york when i was about seven years old my father was bob mckillop who got the davidson head job in 1989 so i um i guess to kind of talk about my coaching career you need to talk about my playing career um because i because i played for davidson i graduated in 2006 and to put a time stamp on that i uh, graduated the spring uh, that, that was prior to the fall Steph Curry entered Davidson College. So um, you know, I was I was here at Davidson as a, as a senior playing on the team when Steph was recruited and he visited and he would come play pickup from time to time. But um, but it was the following year when he entered and kind of took Davidson and the world by storm from a basketball sense. Um, so after my playing career, uh, my college playing career ended, I went overseas and I went to the Czech Republic and I had a very brief pro career. It was cut short. Um, from, from a knee injury, but my time over there, it, it was limited, but, but it was a really challenging experience for me um, coming from a, a place like Davidson where the chemistry, the environment, the culture was so strong amongst our players. And I, and I had seven seniors in my graduating class. And then I went to this, a place where, you know, the Czech Republic is a lower level league. Everybody who's playing in that league is really trying to perform at a level where they can go to a better league, get paid more money. And um, it, was, it was cutthroat in a sense, and you know that there was very little chemistry. Uh, there was there was no other American, and it was I was an outsider in so many ways, and I never really felt welcomed, and I never felt comfortable. And I can reflect back on, on that now as a coach, and, and and we recruit internationally, and I can obviously talk a little bit more about that. But but it was a really challenging experience for me. So when I came home due to injury, it was like I gotta I gotta get away from basketball because nothing's ever going to be as enjoyable as my playing experience, my college playing experience. So. Um, so I actually took a job and I say I had to get away from basketball. I went and I worked for, they were the Bobcats at the time, but I worked for the Charlotte NBA team. Um, but I worked in their marketing department. So I was, I didn't really get away from basketball, but I got away from the competitive side of it and like the the locker room side of it. And um, what it did is I was close enough to the game uh, that I still, like the taste I still had for competing and, and, and playing, um, I couldn't really get rid of it but I was far enough away that I, I felt like I needed to do more. So I worked with the, with the Bobcats for a bit in their marketing department. Um, there were parts of it that I enjoyed, but what we ended up doing in, in the department I was in is we would run clinics. And um, that was my favorite thing to do on the weekends. We would, you know, whether it was at a YMCA or bringing people into the, the Hornets arena and um, I'm sorry, the Bobcats arena at the time. And some were like executives and like adults coming in and some were kids and some were, you know, underprivileged kids. And uh, it was, it was the, the my favorite thing to do in, in the marketing department was, was being on the court and instructing or teaching or whatever I was, I was tasked to do those days. So 
uh, once that basketball season ended, um, I tried to get into college coaching and I ended up taking a job at Emory University, a very, very good division three program. Uh, and the head coach, his name is Jason Zimmerman. He was a, he's a Davidson alum, played at Davidson, um, coached at Davidson for seven years and he was at Evansville and, um, he had just gotten that jo- that head job at Emory and the program had not been very successful and it has been very successful since he's uh, taken over as head coach and he's turned that program into something special. But, um, but I had a chance to work for him for, for a year at Emory and um, probably similar to many division three schools. Uh, I was the only assistant coach. We had one volunteer, but he really just came to practices and games. He, he wasn't, he was never in the office. He never did any of the video breakdowns and, uh, Jason Zimmerman, head coach, he'd come from a division one background where you have five, six staff members all the time, possibly even GAs. And uh, he wanted to run our program like he'd been used to. And it put a lot on my plate and a lot on his plate. And it was very challenging. It's why the, it's why the program became so, so strong so quickly. But, um, but it was, I basically felt like I got three years of coaching experience in, in 12 months um, because of how much we were trying to do and how much he was asking me to do and how much he was asking of himself. So, so I, I was only there one year, but it felt like so much longer because of all that I learned. And then I was offered a job on the Davidson staff. And again, to timestamp it, this was now Stephen Curry's last year of college that I um, joined the Davidson staff for. And they were coming off an elite eight run. So it was a pretty cool time to be a part of that program. And, and obviously, Steph Curry being there made it even more enjoyable and you know, an experience that few people could ever imagine, but, but have the opportunity to be a part of. And um, I was an assistant for 14 years um, at Davidson and uh, 2014, 15 Davidson went from being in the Southern conference or we went from being a Southern conference team to moving into the Atlantic 10. So in, in many ways, you can even think about it. Like I did, I did technically get a new job. I went from being a, Southern conference assistant to an Atlantic 10 assistant. And um, that maybe doesn't sound like it, like it should, but in reality, all of a sudden we had much more resources. We improved our facility. We were recruiting a different level of player. We were competing against a different level of opponent. So um, we didn't have to move offices. We actually ended up moving offices when our facility, new facility was finished, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to relocate. Um, you understand that the, the school and the culture and the environment that, that exists at that college. So, um, so there was a lot of, a lot of things that made that change seamless. If you're thinking about it from getting a new job or taking a new job, but, um, but there were certainly challenges in place with just changing leagues and, and moving into such an, a competitive environment like the Atlantic 10. So, so I've been an assistant for 14 years and uh, in June was named head coach when Bob McKillop, my father uh, decided to step down and retire. Yeah. So growing up in basketball your whole life, when did you know that you wanted to have a career in basketball? So I always thought I wanted to be a coach when I was in high school. Um, I, you know, I was, I was in the gym all the time and some of my closest friends, I guess, and maybe friends isn't the right word because I was, I was a teenager or a college kid at the time were, were the assistant coaches on my father's staff. So, you know, Thanksgiving dinners, that's who I spent, spent them with, um, you know, we'd go on vacation and so would, would one of the assistants and, and his family. So I, I, I was so close with them and um, I thought what they did was awesome. I thought, what you know, they got to be a part of a basketball program and they were the fun guys to be around, at least from a player's perspective. I, I enjoyed spending time with assistants much more than the head coach who was usually upset with me about something. So, um, so I always grew up thinking that I was going to coach or I would want to coach. 
And then, like I mentioned, my when my playing career came to, to an end, I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to go in a different direction and think of something different to do with my life because it'll never be as great as it was um, at my, of, in terms of the experience I had as a player. Um, but as soon as I stepped away from it, I wanted to get right back in. And if I couldn't play, I guess coaching was the next best thing. Yeah, so as you started getting into coaching, obviously your father being a successful long-term head coach, when you got to Davidson, did you start building to wanting to be a head coach? And how did that process for the last 14 years kind of look like? When I first joined the staff, that was so far out of my mind in terms of being a head coach. Every coach wants to be a head coach. And so to say I didn't want to be a head coach would be would be false. But I, I never thought of it that way. And um, we, we were a successful program at the time. I mean, we just made the Elite Eight and we had Steph Curry. And there were veterans on the coaching staff, several of whom I'd played for. Um, so to think beyond, Hey, I just got to do with these guys. I, I, I can't screw this thing up. I mean, the, the blueprint was there and it was a well-oiled ship in many ways. I, you know, I just got to make, make sure this thing keeps running smoothly. Um, but some of those guys went on to be head coaches and get hood coaching jobs. And, you know, there's always the hierarchy of first assistant, second or third, and, you know, whether people, you know, have that explicitly stated or not, it, it exists. So, you know, I, slowly kind of made my way up as coaches moved on and coaches got opportunities for themselves on our staff. Um, and then when we went to the Atlantic 10 and we had some success, I was like, okay, maybe I, maybe I can do this. And um, I guess that's kind of where I started thinking about it. But at the same time, there was such security for my father's tenure at Davidson. So I never felt like I, I, I an itch. I didn't have to move on. I didn't have to run away from that. We're going to have a tough year. So we might want, might want to start looking elsewhere. I, and I say that knowing that other coaches, go through that. Um, but I also, you know, I've got such a, a love for the, for Davidson. I grew up here, I went here and I've been a part of a huge piece of the last 15 years from a basketball standpoint. So I, I had some conversations with people at time, but nothing to me was more exciting than being an assistant coach at Davidson and potentially being in position to be the head coach when that time came. So what was the transition like going from player to coach? Uh, it was unique. Um, it was unique because it was on the same campus that obviously I'd just gone to school and Davidson's a small school. We're all undergraduate. There's no grad school. And it's, it's just about 2000 students. And, and it was less back then in 20, 2006 when I graduated. And then 2008, when I joined the staff or 2009, when I joined the staff. So, um, you know, a small college town, it's, it's, it, it's unique from a social perspective and like where I was living and trying to avoid, you know, being in the places that I was as a student, uh, I coached some of my close friends and I coached my, my brother was actually on the team as well. So there was also that unique dynamic of um, having a good relationship with those guys, but also, you know, having the separation of one of us being a coach and one of us not, and one of us being a player. But at the same time, like I, like I just mentioned, like I was not, obviously I would do skill work and I would do skill development, but, but I wasn't having those tough conversations with them. I was just trying to keep things moving in the right direction and do, do the little things that I was asked to do, whether that was video or travel, um, obviously recruiting as well. But um, it was never, it was never challenging from a point of like, I had to go, you know, one of the players that I've played with and um, had a close relationship three years prior on the basketball court, I never was put in a position where I was expected to demand something or ask something that I wouldn't, would, would have been out of my comfort zone. So it was, um, it was unique, I would say is, is the best way to put it, but it was, it was very natural. Um, 
because of my familiarity with Davidson, knowing people around campus and around town, um, it was it was an easy and seamless way of you know I knew what my my our head coach, what my father expected of his players, and uh, that was very easy to 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 join his staff and understand that I was going to be held to the same standard and expectations. Yeah, so you talk about jumping from player to coach and kind of working with some of the guys you might have played with or been around. You talked about Steph Curry coming in as he was being recruited when you left and then getting to coach him. Uh, obviously, he just came off a wonderful year, run the Elite Eight. Not many would have guessed he'd turn out to be one of the greatest shooters of all time. So right. what, what was he like in college and how was it to coach a player like that? Um, he was incredible. And I was like a fan at the time too. I, I, I was fortunate. I was working at Emory and our season had ended and I was able to, to travel, to, to go with, I was essentially on that elite run with them in many ways. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, he was, he blows you as, as he blows you away now when you watch him in the NBA, that's what he was like to watch as I was a fan of that team. And then joining the staff, you know, every day he did something that would just kind of blow you away in terms of what he was capable of doing on the basketball court. Um, he had, a, he had an unbelievable work ethic, but at no point, aside from what the results were and the, that he can do things that no one else on our team or even in the country could do, at no point would you, would you get the impression that he was better than anybody else or that he felt he was better than anybody else or that he didn't need to listen to a coach or myself even and not that I gave much instruction again I was almost staying out of the way um and I certainly did with him he did not need me to tell him anything or advise him to do anything I, I probably learned more from him than, than he could ever have learned from me but um the sense of humility that he had uh his I mean he was so much better than everybody on our team and I don't mean that to be critical of any player on that team it was just he was Steph freaking Curry and um that he never acted that way or behaved that way or spoke to anybody on that team like he was better than them. Um, and it's just a testament of his character and who he is. And you see a little bit of that all the time in the media and how he's usually portrayed. But whatever he's portrayed as, like it, it, it's almost like too good to be true, but that's exactly who he really is. And that's what it was like being around him um, for, that, for that year. Yeah, so you talk about going on that elite, uh, run, elite eight run with him and your, your dad as a coach and him as a player. What made that team so special? And getting to see them advance to the next round, how did they stay locked in to the next? Um, well, I, they were very talented. And um, I played with uh, the, the starting point guard's name is Jason Richards, and he led the nation in assists that year. And their starting five man was named Thomas Sander. And, and those two, I played with each of those guys for two years. They were roommates all four years, and they're both really close with Steph um, still, and, and, and me still. But um, They'd been a part of, of a winning culture. Um, when when I would played with them, we had success. We made the NCAA tournament. We didn't go to the Elite Eight, but but we were we were good. And uh, they 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 were very they were very talented. They were very tough, and they knew how to play. But I think their willingness to completely give up any personal goals for the because they knew Steph Curry was going to be how that team was successful. Those were the seniors. Those were the captains. And it was very easy for every younger member of that program to follow their lead. And I think everybody buying into Steph Curry and Steph Curry was a guy who bought into whatever the coaches say. I, I think it was just, it was just so, so easy for them to all get along for them to be coachable and for them to grow. And um, I think when your leaders do that and your best player, Steph Curry does that and teams can be really good. 
being able to move up within the Davidson program, how did that help you adjust quicker whenever you got that head coaching job? Well, one thing that, um, you know, as, as I guess if we move up, if you'll, if you will, it, we, we would then have to hire uh, other assistant coaches. So one thing that was great was we would hire somebody and they would have new ideas. Um, and Ryan, me, who's the head coach of Vassar now, um, Abe Woldeslassie, who's the head coach at McAllister now, um, Kevin Kuick, who joined our staff, he was here for five, four years or five years. And he's now an assistant coach or the associate head coach at Butler with Dad Mata. Um, they all came to Davidson with a different coaching background and, um, and, and had great new ideas, which we found ways to incorporate. So I would say from one thing, from a transition standpoint is we're going to have to adjust and adapt every single year. And um, I've been around coaches who came in with different ideas that allowed us to, to do that and to adapt and to find new ways of doing things. We have several members of our coaching staff who currently who played at Davidson and by several, two of our three assistants and then our director of operations and our director of program development. So four of our five staff members, aside from myself, um, played for and graduated from Davidson. And uh, I think that's why we have such a stable environment. And that's why um, our players know what is expected of them, because we've got all these guys that have done it before and done it and, and where Davidson on their heart to the point that they want to be back here. Um, but like I said, we, we can't always do things the way that we've done them. And we, we have done them in the past. We always have to find ways to adjust and adapt. And I think having different coaches around our staff and around myself as I've gone through my time as an assistant here has, has allowed me to see things in a different way that um, can allow us to blend Davidson with what's best for, for, for our team. Um, I, I think, I think the adjustment we made or the change we made from moving to the Southern conference to the Atlantic 10 really had allowed us or, or forced us to kind of, we've got a great blueprint in place, like I've kind of mentioned, but we had to think differently we were going to face different types of opponents, different caliber of opponents, different types and, and, and level of coaches. And we kind of had to relook at ourselves and say, okay, what are we doing? Well, what do we need to change? What do we need to adjust? We're going to see more athleticism. We're going to see more size. We're going to travel differently. We're going to have to play against all these different styles. Like what, what can we do better and how can we, you know, change and be structured in a way that will allow us to be successful in the Atlantic 10 from a recruiting standpoint, from, a resource standpoint, from a fundraising standpoint, there were all these different things that we had to really rethink as we were moving up a league, if, um, to, to put it to put it that way. So I think, you know, you have to think the same way as a head coach now. Okay, so I'm, I'm an assistant coach. Well, now I'm head coach. Well, what do I have to do? I have to relook at all these things. I have to think about how, you know, we've been doing it the right way, but is that the right way for me? How do I best engage with our alums in a way that's different from what I did as an assistant or what our previous head coach did, what my father did? And, and fundraising or alums may be the one example I just gave, but really any everything that we do here, um, you could say the same thing. Yeah, so as you built your coaching philosophy, working for your dad, what were some of the things you, you learned and took away from him and Coach Zimmerman back at Emory? Um, well, Coach Zimmerman is, uh, and I say this with much affection, he is crazy. Um, he uh, he is so much energy all the time, and he's so passionate. And I don't know if you guys know him or, or seen or heard of him or, or listened to him, but but um, he is he is so passionate about his players, about his team, about Emory, about what he does. And so having that type of enthusiasm was why everybody was able to buy in so quickly to, to him as a head coach. And um, I, I think from like I mentioned, like we we 
we've slept very little and he doesn't sleep very much as it is. So maybe it, it was more fitting to what his lifestyle was already as a, as a coach. But, um, but I learned about work ethic, but more than anything, I learned about how if, if you have passion and energy the way he does, then a lot of people will follow. Um, and then from, from Davidson and my father, I mean, I've, as an assistant for 14 years, as a player for him for four years, and then obviously being around him as, as I would uh, him being my father, there's, I could, I could probably write a book on all the things I've learned. Um, but I would say that, say two things. Uh, he, he is, he is unbelievably detail oriented from the way he um, scheduled a, a staff meeting to the way he, to, to the minute, to the second plans of practice and the words that he wants to make sure he says at that moment in practice to the way he puts together a film session with every clip having a specific reason and meaning and why that feeds into the next clip which feeds into the next clip he is so process and detail oriented what he does and um organizationally uh, you know that's something that's in some ways new to me as as a head coach in terms of how much i have to have um function efficiently for, for me to be good at what I'm doing, but also for what our program is doing. And that's on me now. Like I, I could, you know, I could make some suggestions here and there as an assistant, but ultimately um, I didn't make the, the challenging decisions, but to do that, you need to, you need to be as organized and detailed as possible. So um, I've always seen that from just living in, in the house that, you know, he, he built like, like not actually physically built, but that we, that we lived in as a, as a child and as, as I grew up. But then to see it in the office every day, um, I, I obviously take that away from him, and or I, t I take that lesson away from 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 seeing him. Um, and then another thing, he always talks about how he wakes up in the morning, and, and all he thinks about is how to make our team better, how to make our program better, how to make Davidson better. And uh, he, he, when he speaks, he often will, will kind of share that process or share that that thought, and that's what he that's that's his you know that's his that's what he thinks of every single day, and that's his credo in a sense. But um, but I see it in every little meeting and conversation he has with the coaching staff. And, and what I mean is, you know, he, he's trying to get the most out of everybody and he is never willing to even consider giving up on someone, no matter how the direction they go in, how poor they're doing academically. Not that we have guys that do that poor academically, but, but the challenges they're facing off the court, the challenges they're facing on the court, the mistakes they're making, they're really stubborn. They're not the most coachable they're not always bringing the most energy he he's constantly thinking of okay well he's struggling we're, we're not reaching him how can we do this better what can we do more for him um he never he has never given up on anybody and um you know it's easy especially now with the transfer portal being what it is to say you know what this guy's not getting it done well, who, where else can we look who else can we bring in but i've been around a guy for as an assistant for 14 years who said all right like that walk on, he's got to feel value today. What can we do for him when you're really thinking about playing against, uh, you know, BCU or Dayton the next day? But he's thinking about that one individual player and what we could do to make a difference in their day. So, whenever you got the head coaching job, what was some of your first steps that you took? So the first steps I took, um, I had a lot of phone calls to make and a lot of texts to send. Um, that was maybe what I, I expected that, but I was not quite ready for the amount of time in the 24, 48, 72 hours that followed for how much I was going to be on my phone. And a lot of it, um, a lot of it, I, I, I tried to plan out. I wanted to make sure I reached out to all the people who were important to Davidson and Davidson basketball, um, my former teammates, alums from before my father's time, um, people who have been great supporters of ours. So I, I, I wanted to make sure that I, 
connected with them to tell them how much I was appreciative of their support and, and how important they were to Davidson basketball. And that my, the fact that I'm in position to be the head coach was a direct result of what they'd done for our program. And um, there's a lot of people in my life personally that I felt I need to, to, to share that sense of gratitude with as well. So that was one of the first things I did. But the other thing that was probably most forefront of my mind was to, to be with our players as much as possible. Um, I wanted them to feel comfortable with me as the head coach. I wanted them to know that, you know, I'm, maybe I'm the head coach now, but the relationship that we've built and that we, we have is not going to change. And um, so what I did is I spent the whole weekend in the gym and I kind of set up shop at a table in our practice facility. And I did my calls and my texts from there. And I was there when our players arrived and they came in and I wanted to be in the gym because I knew if I was at home, I wasn't going to be able to get things done. I have, I have two, two small kids and I've got a wife and um, it's summertime. So there's no school. So I, I was like, I got to, got to get out of here. And um, so I sat down in our gym and it ended up being great. I was with our players. I shot with them. I worked out with them. They walked in the gym. They wanted to get some work in and I was there and I was with them. So um, there was a lot to do from a um, communications aspect, I guess, in terms of getting out and talking to everybody that I felt I, I wanted to be in touch with in those first, and some of them were recruits, but those first few days, but, but more than anything, just being with our players. Um, and we, we think we had eight or nine guys in town at that moment and, and at that week weekend and um, just being with them as much as possible. So they, they felt great about the, the, the coaching change, or at least I hope they felt great about the coaching change. Was there something that might've surprised you that came with the job? Well, we haven't had any games yet, so I'm sure there's going to be some yeah. uh, some things that will surprise me. I'm sure I'm going to be upset with an official's call like five minutes into the first game we play, and I'll <laughs> all of a sudden be surprised at how quickly they'll not want to respond to me in a very nice way. Um, very quickly, you have to make decisions that they're on you now. You know, I could always, like I said, as an assistant, you just you can you could suggest, you could advise, but you're not the one making those calls. Um, it feels a little different making those decisions. Um, so I guess, I guess, yes, that would be surprising. Um, we actually, we went on a European trip and we just got back two days ago and we played games and we've got, we've got a really talented team. Uh, we've got a lot of depth and, um, and that's great. And, and this trip allowed us to see who, who could do what and who fits where and what role they may play, but we're still a far long way away from knowing who's going to play how many minutes or who we're going to be running these plays for who will be our starting lineup. We still have, have a lot of work to do to figure that out. So at, at, during this trip, everybody on our team started at, at one, at least one game. Some started to, you know, maybe, maybe one player started three games of the five we played, but um, we figured, you know, okay, how can we, how can we, who, who should we start? Well, let's start the five guys that, have, that were here last year because we have a number of newcomers and only five guys return that played minutes last year so that made sense let's let's start those five guys because we don't we don't have any starting lineup in mind really yet but telling our team who our starting lineup was was all of a sudden like oh wow this this could appear as if it's more than you know just they could look they could see that it's five guys that played for us last year and three of them who actually did start last year but when you you know you, you're kind of now having to make that decision and you're having to state it in front of young men who are impressionable and are working towards and i was a player i knew the I, I wanted to believe that I was smart enough to know that everybody on the team was just as important as the other, but I know there's a sense of pride that goes with being a starter and um, naming that first starting lineup. I, that was really, really hard to say for the first time. So that was, I would say that would be maybe the most surprising thing to me. Like it seems so simple, but communicating that with a group of guys, it was, was a little bit more challenging than I anticipated. And again, it wasn't our starting lineup. 
it was just it made sense for us that day in, in Slovenia. Yeah, so oftentimes when a new coach comes in, it usually isn't always the best situation. For you, taking over for a winning program that you've been a part of, how are you building into next year off NCAA tournament run to maintain that winning culture? Yeah, I, I believe me, it's I'm in a much easier position. I've I've a lot of I've a big I've big shoes to fill, and there's a lot of expectations. So it, it, there are challenges, and there are major challenges. But um, like you said, I, I'm I'm moving into a, a role on a on a program that has been consistent and is coming off a successful year, and there's there's a foundation in place. So um, we do have upperclassmen, we do have veterans who know how we play, and they know the expectations, and them being here are is so much easier than if I were to get a head job down the road somewhere and have to kind of install an offense. You know, they, they can follow the, the the direction of not only myself, but they can follow the direction of um, our veterans who who know how we play and who know how um, how we like to function offensively or, or defensively. Um, our coaching staff, for the most part, has is, is remained intact as well. We, we've brought in two, two new coaches since our season ended last year. But they know what to expect and they know what's successful at Davidson. So um, in many ways, my job is significantly easier than a lot of other people who were maybe moving, come, come, had they offered, offered and, and this job at Davidson been accepted by somebody else, I think they would have a much more challenging time. Um, to build off it, you know, it's just to, to try to hold our players to the same level of, of accountability and the same standard that we've had for years. Um, we do have the right veterans in place, I believe, to help do that. And, uh, you know, we had a head coach who, had a ton of experience and awards and records and numbers to back up um, all the words he would say and the demands he would make. There was, you know, you didn't question a guy who'd been as successful as Bob McKillop. And, um, but he had his voice and it was heard a certain way from our players. And I, I can't try to be that voice. I can't try to, to be who he was. So I have to be true to who I was. And that's the guy that our players who have been here, that that's who they know. So I have to be that, I have to be genuine to that and, and or else they'd obviously see through that if I was trying to be somebody else. But at the same time, I do have to find the right way to hold them to that same level of accountability. So finding that is going to be, and, and I think we, we've found that to some extent, but again, we haven't played any games. There haven't been wins and losses and we haven't had those challenging conversations to, to much of an extent yet. Um, so finding how to do that the right way, if there even is a right way, uh, will be what will allow us to continue to build in the right direction here. With you being a great recruiter, when you're on the road, what are you looking for in a player that might cue to you that they'll fit your team culture? Well, I appreciate you saying I'm a great recruiter. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, we've, we've had some very good, talented players here at Davidson. And I think I think Davidson College and um, our reputation and, and the way we play, I think that is what sets us apart. I don't know that any member of our coaching staff or myself really are that impressive enough to, to be the the – the difference maker to the extent that all the other things do. Um, we, we like to recruit to our style um, and, and we are very strong academically. So really the first thing is, you know, how do you perform in the classroom? Can we, we will take a look at our tran uh, at a transcript and, and determine whether or not that that's going to be admissible for Davidson college. Um, Davidson's got 2000 students, as I mentioned. So it's a unique place. It's a small college town, you know, on Saturdays, it's not a hundred thousand people showing up for a football game. So you have that, it's, it's a little bit of a different college experience than at, at a number of other places. So it's, 
it may not be right for everybody, but it's right for certain guys. And we've got to find those guys. So we, we've got to, we've got to do that background research to find out if Davidson is the right place for this person. And there's certain ways that we like to learn if that can be true or not from a basketball perspective. Um, we run a motion offense, which requires some, some good IQ um, and, and a good feel for the game. And a lot of it is cutting and screening, but you can cut and screen all you want, but if no one can pass the ball to the right person at the right time in the right, in the right way, we can't execute. So, um, so obviously there's feel and an IQ, but, but really an ability to pass. Um, ideally we have four or five guys that can shoot on the court at all times. So, so I've now I've mentioned IQ, but it's really IQ and skill set. And we love guys that can pass at every position. Um, and we like guys that can shoot it at every position. So those are the, those are the things I'm looking, we're often looking for. And then we're often recruiting more to skill than athleticism. So we're giving something, you know, that that's the benefit of our offense, but maybe we're giving something up a little bit defensively. So then from a defensive standpoint, we may not have the quickest or most athletic guys, but if you're really freaking tough, you can get things done defensively if you're limited in terms of physicality and you're limited in terms of athleticism. So um, toughness is the other, is the other big thing we're looking for. And toughness that goes beyond defense. It's, it's offense, it's coachability, it's work ethic. But, um, but if, if guys can pass, if guys can shoot, if they have IQ and they're tough, they usually can work out pretty well for us. It helps when they're 6'11", or, you know, 6'3", and can play point, and 6'7", and can shoot and pass it on the wing. So there's obviously other things that can can make you player of the year versus a very good player for a very good team. But th those are the attributes that we we really try to try to identify on the court. Yeah, going along with recruiting, obviously the game has changed so much just in the past year, but also in the past 10 years. So as you've been around it, now you have to recruit more, even on your own team, you know, recruiting guys to stay with the transfer portal. How have you seen the game change and how have you adapted to transfer portal, NIL, and all the new rules coming into college basketball? Well, it, it's it's kind of sad to say you have to recruit your own players, but that it, it is what you, you have to do. Um, but I, I think if, you, if you've recruited the right guys and you develop the rela a relationship with them the right way, then there's no re-recruitment. You're just being who you are and you're building a relationship that's hopefully going to help them get better. And then they see the value of that and they want to continue to be a part of it. Um, I, and, you know, it's easy for me to say that right now, maybe at the end of the year, we're having a conversation that sounds a little bit differently. But, um, but I think if you get the right guys and they fit Davidson the way that we hope they fit when we recruit them, and then we build a relationship that we should build, then, then there's no re-recruitment. You're just doing everything you can to help that player. And if he doesn't think it's good enough, then there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, but it is crazy. It's, it's, there's so many options now for, for players and it's so easy for a bad day or a bad conversation even to push them in another direction. And um, Davidson is a very good academic school and it, a degree from Davidson is so meaningful, but there's an NIL deal at that other school that's $50,000. So that, that, that maybe that can look a little bit different. And, um, you know, ultimately we're just trying to give our players, you know, the best experience possible, a transcendent experience that how could you think of leaving this place? Um, it helps when you have success. It helps when obviously you help a player improve to the point that they're feeling good about the way they're producing on the basketball court and the playing time they're, they're getting, but there's still, you know, you could still only play 200 minutes a game and as a team. And, um, 
that 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 could lead people to believe outside voices when when things get challenging. So we got to do everything we can possible to build a strong enough relationship with them that those voices don't matter more than those that are in our locker room. Since you've been at Davidson, how have you and the staff utilized the student managers? Every way imaginable. Um, we've, we've, we've had a great track record with managers and um, I could kind of talk about a few different ones even to what they did for us and what they've gone on to do. We had, we had a manager a few years ago, we had, he was doing a summer independent study with a math professor and he decided to do it on um, analytics. And this is kind of when the analytics first were discussed as often as they are now. And he was a manager for us and he was friends with our players and we had no idea he was a math major and really into analytics. And then all of a sudden he started like a student-led uh, analytics group for our, for us. And now he, so he did that for us for two years and now he works with the Chicago Bulls and they're, in their scouting department. Um, so he did it. We've had guys who've done that. We've, they've done analytics. We've had, we have a, he's now a junior for us, but he is uh, he's a walk-on now. And he came in, he wanted to be a manager and he played high school basketball and he would do everything when we would travel um, in the office. He, he would, you know, help stuff envelopes. He would help our get ready for camp. He would do all those little things that a lot of managers do, but then, he was a pretty good athlete. So in the practice court, once we realized that we would throw him on a scout team and play defense. And then we would throw him on, on offense because he was so athletic that he would just go and rebound and he'd be a problem for our players to have to box out. And he did this to such a high level that at the, at the end of the year, he said, Hey, you know, I, I, I greatly appreciate all the things I've been able to do as a manager, but I think maybe I could try out to be a walk-on next year and then see what you guys would think of that. And we're like, well, you don't need to try out. So he's now a member of our team as a walk-on and, whatever he does after college will be basketball oriented and it won't be playing. It will be, he could be the GM of an NBA franchise in years from now. But, um, but I think his playing experience will certainly enhance his ability to do a lot more after graduating than just, I should say just being managers than just what his managerial duties allowed him to do. Um, we've had managers who have um, gone into coaching. Um, one who is a longtime college assistant, one who is now the coach of a prep school in, in, um, in New England in the NEPSAC. Um, we have a, a manager who, um, is now working for MBA international operations for the NBA. And he's currently in Cairo, in Cairo, Egypt, running, um, a basketball without borders camp for basketball without borders, Africa. So we've had guys who have, have done things on the court as managers. And I say on the court, at, like as a member of a scout team, we've had guys with the pad or rebounding, we've had guys who stay on the side, maybe they're not the most physical or athletic, um, guys and they're they're keeping stats on the side or they're running the clock but um, they're all bought in and and once they've bought in they've kind of been held to the same level and the same standards that we expect of our players in terms of accountability um, our players understand that they're no different than than our starting point guard in terms of how they're treated and uh, I think that's allowed for us to, to have a great group of managers who have gone on to do some special things but have also had a wonderful experience as being part of our program yeah, so for all those managers, obviously they all wanted to do different things. Um, for Corbin and I, obviously we wanted to get into coaching. And everyone has their reason and why. So for you specifically, why did you want to coach college basketball and why, why do you do what you do now? I wanted to co coach college basketball because I couldn't play it anymore. Because um, playing college basketball was the greatest four years of my life. 
you know, what's interesting is uh, people, why do you want to coach? This is often a question you'll hear people answer and they'll say, well, I want to help young men. And, and that's absolutely a, a byproduct, I think, of coaching. But when I first got into it, I was competitive and I loved basketball. And again, I wish I could still play the game. And, um, and so as a result, I got into coaching and that was what I, that was my approach. It was like a player. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to do what I can to be better and better. And, um, and I think in doing that, I helped our program and uh, as did our other assistant coaches and, and head coach. And I helped our program get better. But then those experiences you have with the players and you see some of those, and I mentioned our managers, but you see them go on to get a player of the year award, sign a pro contract, get married, have a kid, start a family. Um, you get to be a part of those experiences. And then you realize like, okay, well, I did all these things from a competitive mindset, but really what I was doing was helping these, these guys become men and um, have a wonderful experience at Davidson that hopefully prepares them to be great pro basketball players, ministers, teachers, coaches, anything, anything that they choose to do. And then obviously be, be able to be great husbands and fathers as a result. So that's a really, you know, the standard you want to build young men to be men and all that. But I, I never thought of it that way, but it did. That's, that's one of the cool things when a player asks you, you know, can you be there for me on this special day of my life? Or I've got, I'm facing the biggest challenge I've ever faced. Can you help me with this decision? Well, um, when, when they ask you that years after they've graduated, it shows that everything you did, maybe because you wanted to win basketball games and in doing so you push them to a limit and you built a relationship that way. Um, yet you help them do, do things so much further than basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone wants to win, but obviously there's so much more to coaching than, than just the scoreboard at the end of the game. And yeah. you kind of talked about, you know, doing it with your family, being a husband and a father, how has it been? And what is it like as you pursue a career in coaching building a family and maintaining a family? Um, it's challenging. Uh, my, my wife was an athlete in college. She played tennis. She, she played tennis here at Davidson. And um, so she understands the competitive landscape probably better than a lot of people, but that still doesn't make it any easier. And like I mentioned, we've just finished, finished a European trip and it's tough being gone for, for 12 days or, or two weeks. Um, I don't know that there's any magic formula to how you do it the right way. I, I live close to campus so I can get home for lunch a couple days a week, maybe even um, I try to put my phone away at certain hours of the day. Um, I try to get my kids, you know, when they, they have some free time, I'll bring them to the gym and they'll run around in here so I can kind of allow them to be a part of what I do, but also allow me to do some things that I need to do work-wise, but still have them involved with it. Um, surround our team with them at times so that they're one comfortable around our players, but they, they look up to them as, you know, heroes in a sense. And they look forward to the times they get to be around the basketball team. Those are, those are some, some of the ways. And I, and I understood that from my time as a kid and being in the gym and, you know, I, I love to play basketball. So I was coming to the gym for different reasons. Uh, my kids are a little bit younger right now, so they, they're not probably thinking that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenging balance, but, but you, you need a great wife and you need relatively well-behaved kids, I guess. Yeah, so what does it mean for you to be the head coach of Davis and now taking over for your father? And you're here, you've reached the top. I mean, how special is that for you? It's it's really special. Um, I've I've been around it for, for a very long time, and I've, I've I know so many people that have been a part of Davidson and Davidson College and Davidson the town and Davidson basketball for the three decades plus that I've lived here. My father was the head coach, so um, it's special for all the obvious reasons. Like I 
having played here, having my father built this legacy. Um, but what's really cool is when you see people around town and get a phone call or an email and they're just as excited for me as, as I am about this opportunity. That's, that, that's, what's really, really cool and really special. So, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about it and I'm excited and yeah, obviously I think I deserved it. And I think I, I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I think Davidson chose the right guy and I'm the best person to help this program take the next steps. But when you hear from other people who feel the same way, that's, that's, that makes it feel really special. Absolutely. And we are really looking forward to following you. Obviously a lot of respect for Davidson program and what your dad did here. And, um, you know, a lot of respect for you as you move forward. And, and thank you again for joining us today. Uh, any last bits of advice for young aspiring coaches or basketball fans or anyone just listening to the podcast? Um, yeah, like like I mentioned, we, we just had this European trip and um, this would probably be a, be a good story to share, whether it's with a player or anybody. Um, but uh, just so happened, one of the games we played in our trip was about two towns over from where an NBA international, an international scout works for the M an NBA franchise um, lives. And he, he happened to come to our game. And one of our players was really good. Just, he didn't bring it that day. And I, I talked to the scout after the game and he said, you know, these two guys, they really impressed me, but I was really shocked at how hard that one player played. And I was able to tell him after that game, like you, you can't walk into gym ever and not do everything you can to be the best you can be that day. So whether that's playing, whether that's, one of our assistant coaches when he walks in the gym and he's running drills, um, whether that's a manager who, you know, had a late night studying and he's got to help the team out in that workout that next day. Like you never know who might be in that gym watching you and who could see that. And that make a difference in how the impression you made and what, what that can maybe do for your future. Um, and it's, it's, I'm, I wish our player would have played better and played harder that day, but I, it's, it, it, I'm glad that we can now use that to reflect on, um, how that lesson can be learned for everybody going forward. So that's, that's a little advice that I was able to pick up on our, on our little trip to Europe. Coach, that's amazing. And, and thank you again so much. We look forward to following you this year and, and best of luck to you and, and Davidson program. Well, great. Well, thanks so much guys. Great being on here.